This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Peacock Streaming. The biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event every day. It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Mirror man, mirror man. You twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of an On The Whistle Arsenal podcast. I'm joined by Johnny. Hello there, Pete. Um, uh, how you doing? Uh, well, I mean, it would be nice if we were talking under better circumstances, obviously. This is the kind of the gift and the curse of doing these On The Whistle podcasts that you get that raw emotion and... Um, you know, if, if anyone wanted me to bounce on like a chirpy little cheerleader right now, they're not going to get it. Um, deflation is the, uh, and the feeling of being deflated is is very much the order of the day after that dreadful, dreadful performance, even more than, even more so than the result. Yeah, agree with you. Uh, today is, um, today's a really bad day. Shocked. And um, the faith has been shaken on, on my part. I think that we've you know we've done a lot of great stuff since Christmas, but the wheels the wheels look like they they've started to come off today. I think that we just saw a pre-December Arsenal performance, and really easy to blame players that consistently let managers down. It's really easy to blame the players, but Arteta Arteta gives gives a lot to those players. He gives new deals. Uh, you know, Obama Yang is given permission to hide. We even give him a special position that's not his own position so he can hide and not involve himself. Nicholas Pepe reverted to type. But, you know, a lot of these players are players that Arteta has hired in. You know, the Cedric Suarez sitting on the bench is his signing. We put a centre-back, a right-back. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the most disappointing thing is you know, I never expect to beat Liverpool, especially without four players that are key to the way that we play. But to, to fail in that manner was disgusting. So so this this is where I kind of come in at this. Um, you know, I've remained pretty consistent on the pod in the yeah. sense that as far as I'm concerned with regards to Arteta and his appraisal, we need to win the Europa League for this season to be anything other than the absolute catastrophic, unmitigated disaster that it has been. You know, whenever anyone tries to, you know, gain optimism from a good result in the league or whatever, this is why I don't get carried away. It doesn't matter if we beat a Leicester here and there because we've had so many awful performances followed up by them. You know, it almost depends on what, you know, I guess it's, you know, whether the, Cups half full or half empty, you know, your outlook on it. 
for with regards to your perception of our league form. But the reality is, is there's been as much bad as there's been good under Arteta. There really has. It's been that up and down. But the main thing where I'm going to be consistent on is I will judge him on the results. And when I say the results, if you win the Europa League, you have a lot of time and that you've built, you, you've earned yourself from me because I have for a long time said it's not just about good performances. We had them under Wenger. I want trophies, trophies in the cabinet. And if we have to do it in the skankiest way ever, I will take it. And I will literally cheer that man on and go fantastic season if we win the Europa League. How, and that's why I'm being consistent with my appraisal, because otherwise our um, judgment on him can be so uh, volatile. It can just, just screech from, yeah, he's, he, he's the next messiah of a coach to this guy should be managing in the conference, you know. So yeah. I'm just saying these are this what all we can do as fans is set standards. Because otherwise you look if you look at it on a kind of subjective level with regards to today, as you've kind of talked about already, Pete, it was an absolutely insipid performance today. And I think has worked hard to undo a lot of the positivity that we've seen in present previous um, games where we're feeling like, oh, we're getting something. This is, remember, you know, with Liverpool, especially a Liverpool as poor as this team were, these are our direct rivals for where we want to be getting. And we have been absolutely dominated from the first kick of the game to the end. We, we were never in that game. And obviously there are multiple reasons I'm sure we're going to go on to discuss for such an insipid performance. But if you as a coach cannot make adjustments, which is what we were previously praising him for, then there has to be, has to be accountability at managerial level for how bad we've actually performed there. See, I I disagree on the trophy thing entirely because trophies were a justification for keeping Wenger in a job and it didn't get us very far. A trophy would have been justification for keeping Unai Emery in the job and that would have been an unmitigated disaster. For me, I, like if he skanks the Europa League and the performances continue to look like the one against Liverpool today, then you can't keep him in the summer because it's performance, 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 performance. And since, since December, the performances generally, even when we've lost, have been to a pretty high standard. Like we've dominated possession. We've been tactically astute. And we've seen a lot of um, excitement from certain players in the squad. But today was, I agree. I think that today wound back a lot of the promise because even with that side, with the with the tools that he had at his disposal, there wasn't an excuse to to be that meek. Um, we went into that game like we did the Manchester City game. We knew that we were going to lose. Um, we had we, we defended reasonably well um, compared to you know the opening thirty minutes against West Ham. But they, they looked scared. They didn't know how to attack. Um, and then when the, the second goal went in, everything completely unraveled. And it's like this this doesn't feel like we're progressing. You know, there was no there was no there was no fallback. There was no um, there was no fallback on technique and the coaching that we were teaching. And I, you know, if if, if this is the start of another November, then. Uh, it, we've got problems because I don't think skanking a Europa League should save him. He's got to be able to drive consistent performances and we've got to be able to turn up against Liverpool. We This happened against Manchester City. They scored early. They were on a 17-game run. I understand. But we didn't lay a glove on them for 90 minutes. The next game, West Ham nearly beat Manchester <laughs> City. If David Moyes can do that with that West Ham side... Arsenal should be able to put in a performance. But a lot of the problems come because I I think there's too much deference to senior players, not enough faith in giving young players um, a chance. And just something that he can't get out of the squad. And I I don't think there are many managers that could extract or or remove the rot that's so deeply ingrained. But um, yeah, today was was really a worry because Liverpool haven't been good. They've lost what like two of their last five games, I think. Like they they were there for the taking today, and they weren't good. 
Yeah, I mean, to just to come back a little bit, and I, 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 the way you've just you know laid out your point there, I, you know, I, I completely see your point of view. I don't agree. I do think that ultimately, um, if we can win trophies, I mean, <laughs> trophies are what pays the bills. Like you know, you, you say even about Wenger, like the difference with Wenger was that. You know, the trophies that he was relying upon to save his reputation were from a decade ago by the end, you know. And skanking a couple of FA Cups when you have had all that time to get a team ready, that's not good enough. That's why ultimately I wanted Wenger out at that point, um, because I couldn't see how we were going to progress. But what Arteta did is he came in with a struggling team and picked up a trophy. It outperformed the situation that he came into. If he can during one of the worst league campaigns I've witnessed in my lifetime, still walk away with a European Cup. We can't turn our nose up at Arsenal Football Club at European success. We haven't had that much of it, realistically. For the third most successful team in the country, European success has been relatively hard to come by. So if we win a major European trophy and get into the Champions League... I don't really like. I completely understand where you where you're coming from with regards to performance, but you said it before in a previous pod. I would take a lucky manager over a good manager if it means that we can start padding that cabinet out. Because it, it, honestly, it's about winning right now. That is why, for me, I think felt we need to needed to move away from Wenger because he had us playing good football. Granted, the last years were. Poor, but for the vast majority of Wenger's reign, we were playing good football. But yeah. I wanted us to get into a situation where we were holding managers to account. If you do not deliver, you get moved on. There is no sycophancy around these managers anymore. We're not going to, you know, purr over previous achievements or links to clubs. You get judged on your merits. And if you deliver trophies, that's enough for me. Um, and so that's that. That's my perspective on it, anyway, with regards to um, just yeah. just the criteria we are praising by. I also don't think that. I, I also think it's very difficult to skank a quarter final, a semi final over two legs, and a final. Like it's like even when you you know like the greatest European trophy skank of all time was into Milan, but no one yeah. was like. Well, they didn't deserve that. They were like they 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 knew the tools that they had at their disposal and they used them to the maximum effect. So you know, like I I don't think that you get I don't think you get a lucky Europa Cup win. So um, I think the part of what the hope is that part of that performance today and that starting eleven that we saw, my suspicions and I might be completely wrong. Come what Thursday is Smith Rowe probably could have played. Saka probably could have played. Luis and Jacker probably could have played. I think that he erred on the side of caution because I, I you know, it's it's difficult to beat Liverpool. They are the second best team in the country by quite a margin. I think that he I think that you'll see those players on Thursday. What do you do do you think that Arteta maybe rolled today under the bus a little bit because he's thinking about the trophy? What do you think? So, th- so this is why it's it's so important to get those initial debates and arguments out of the way at the start of the podcast with regards to how we can appraise Arteta at the end of it. Because ultimately, what I've argued for for a while is that Arteta's whole tenure at Arsenal should be tied to how he continues to get us perf- uh, performing and the results attached to it. Because for me, what I've said is ultimately... My judgment on Arteta, and I think that it seems, I don't even feel like I'm that bad, but still, some people think I'm like some Arteta out guy or whatever. I, I'm just judging him. This is my criteria um, for everyone listening, shouting down their, their, their AirPods right now. I've got um, a pen out. I'm writing this down. <laughs> exactly. No, uh, you know, my criteria remains the same. And the fact is, is that I have said, Ultimately, I don't think the league matters. I don't really care about these results. I honestly don't. Um, and we'll get on to some of the ways that he could have mitigated the disaster of a result like this and the performance like this, i.e. playing different players, younger players, suddenly a 3-0 with all their younger... But we'll get, we can get on to that because I think it's a really key point. But if we get through the Europa League, I don't care. I don't care that we've lost 3-0. I don't care. I don't care if we lose next week, neither. 
if we get through the Europa League, then we get into the final, probably against the Unai Emery's side. And then I don't care if we lose games again in the Premier League. Got to beat, got to beat them and get into the final Europa League. And this is what I mean. If we lose all of our games and then 14th and we win the Europa League and we're in the Champions League next year, I don't care. Listen, mate, you've had a great season. I'll clap the guy. I'll, yes, I'll tell you. Big dad claps. Proud of your son. Absolutely. <laughs> great season. Well done. We, we go again next year in the Champions League. Probably going to need a slightly better squad. But, you know, but that, that that's my criteria because otherwise you start to... Because it's the same thing with Unai Emery, and I said this on the last pod. When you start making choices, this is what I'm saying. I'm not going to bang Arteta for not playing Saka when he's feeling a bit, you know, his muscles are feeling a bit tight or Smith Rowe's a bit moving a bit gingerly. No. Focus on the thing that ultimately is going to keep you in the job as far as I'm concerned. Um, But when you do that, that's absolutely fine with me, but you have to deliver in that competition. So if we go out in that competition, there's going to be some fire scoring down on the guy, you know. But you weren't supposed to be. You weren't supposed to be coming on this podcast and making me feel better about today. And you know what? (laughs) All the rage is gone. I'm like, yes, Arteta made a good decision today. He rested his best players, and we're going to smash Slavia Prague on Thursday. (laughs) But look, I, you know, I I speak to people that that work in and around um, um, football, some some journalists, some, some agents, or you know, the whatever. And the the most common theme that I get is that Arsenal don't want to be in the Europa League next year. They don't. If you're if you're not going to make the Champions League through the league, fuck the league this year. You don't need it. West Ham are where they are this season because they have a week between every single game. They fucked off all the cups, and now they're contending for the Champions League with that squad with that manager. And you you are right. You know what? You know why I'm so upset right now? Because Chelsea lost 5-2 before the game. And if we'd won, if we'd won a home game against a, a Liverpool in, in all sorts of problems, we'd have been six points from top four in the league. And there are, you know, the, the whole performance today was shades of Unai Emery. Like Unai Emery's filing a, an injunction against Arteta for stealing his performances. <laughs> but it kind of, that that, that performance at the moment, makes me draw horrible parallels to that Crystal Palace game when Unai Marie played Carl Jenkinson. I think he played Carl Jenkinson and it was a disaster. And I'm just, you know, this, this, is what, this is the difference between succeeding and failing as a manager in football, right? If he gets, if he gets it right on Thursday and he beats Slavia Prague, then we're on and up. But you are right if... If a defeat like today carries through and there's a hangover from it, which is always the big risk, and we lose, then you do have to say that his his job starts to become a talking point again for the second you know for the second time in six months. And when people are questioning your job for the second time in six months, the big worry is players will start thinking that right. There's only so many of these ways of shitness that you can survive. So he's got he's got like the fans on his shoulders. He's got players looking to see what he does next. Um, and this season is kind of riding on, on a team that comfortably not Leicester out of the Europa League. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, we're not going to judge it and we're not going to do football maths with regards to our chance of getting through, you know, Arsenal at their best should easily see away with Slavia Prague. I'm sorry, they should do. And there will be, get it, there will be no respite being cut when or if we went out to Slavia Prague because, oh, they've knocked Leicester out as well, so don't worry. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is what I mean. We have to go all out for the Europa League and we have to get through. And at the end of the day, if you offered me at the start of the season, forget about the league thing, but in the Europa League, you're going to have Slavia Prague, then Villarreal in the semis to get through to the final. I'd have yeah, send it over, send it over. It. Yes, please. Nice yeah. and walk at the ready. And and the fact is, is that you know, and and you might be getting United in the final when we've got a very good record against United this year and have not been outclassed by them at all. But although I do think that they pose the kind of potential to blow us away in an odd game because they've got excellent players. Um, 
But, you know, w- w- when you talk about um, the Unai Emery's game, I, I don't agree that this is the Crystal Palace game because at that point in Unai Emery's juncture, he had gone absolutely all out for the Europa League and then um, sold, sold the league away. Whereas Liverpool, you know, they're a good team. Palace, we would have beat if we had played our full team. That was what was so frustrating. Right. Liverpool yeah. would have given it a game arguably anyway. And we are further out. Like, you know, Unai Emery made that call when we were literally on the verge of the final. We, we had Valencia, I think it was the second leg coming up. We were, we were about to get through anyway, you know, and if we won that next game, we're in the final. So you're really on the cusp of it. Whereas Arteta's a lot further out with this Europa League, but we're also cut adrift in the league. There's no, you know, we're not, even if we beat Liverpool, it's still an outside shot to get anywhere near top four, you know, even though, I did see that Chelsea lost, and we all, you start doing the maths in your head pre-game, going, "Oh, get yeah, away!" You know, no, we're, we're firmly gone. We're firmly gone. We're dead but, now. Yeah, let's give it. Get out. <laughs> Absolutely nailing the coffin. But we, all I'm saying is, I will judge Arteta by the same criteria as I did Emery. If you want to make those choices in general uh, and prioritize a competition, I'm all about that. I genuinely am, rather than us. Going all out for all the competitions, we we know have nowhere near the squad depth to compete on all fronts, and then we fluff our lines. I'd rather go hard for a competition because the reason why um, I think it's so important is it would shape the narrative with regards to how we see Arteta. If you can win a, a trophy, he would have snuck, uh, absolutely snuck success from the jaws of defeat, and it would be like this guy's got something. He will find. <laughs> A Didier Drogba header in the last minute, the way Chelsea did, you know, that like, and you're thinking they're an awful team, they've bumbled it, but they don't care. They won a cup. You know what I mean? It's that kind of can we have a coach who will just find a way to get it done? Emery got us to the final. So realistically, I don't think we can accept anything else than, you know, a, a, a performance, a, 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 first of all, getting through to the final and a good performance in the final if Arteta wants to be considered a progression, realistically, from what we we did have. So what you're saying is in the Premier League, pride is not a trophy, right? Absolutely. That that feels like a nice framing. Yeah. Um, I I mean, let's put it a different way. Uh, There was a wonderful, wonderful film called Training Day with Denzel Washington, Yes. And uh, when he's talking in his Oscar-winning performance, he's talking to Ethan Hawke in the thing, and he was just like, he's asking him to essentially be a bent copper and look the other way, and he was like, you, I know you're thinking you can't do it, but that's just pride fucking with you. <laughs> and this is what <laughs> I'm saying to all Arsenal fans. You don't want to take a 3-0 thumping at the hands to Liverpool, but that's just pride fucking with you. <laughs> we'll take the yes. Europa League, OK? This <laughs> is take- it. Take the easy payday. We'll take the Europa League. But as long as this man can deliver the trophy, that's the main thing. Johnny, this is some dark arts um, psychology that you're bringing <laughs> to this. I'm feeling, I'm feeling silly for being so upset now because you've just completely warped my mind over what the true reality of the season is. I'm up there dreaming about top four and you've slapped me back down. And now I'm, now, now, now I'm, now I'm with you. So let's... Um, Let's move on to the game because there are a few things that made me deeply, deeply uncomfortable about today that I want to talk about. And let's just let's just go right for the really disgusting bit. We missed David Luiz and Granite Xhaka, and it was it's pretty obvious why Arteta is addicted to him. Rob Holding and Gabriel were not a good pairing, and Danny Ceballos. Have you seen a worse midfield performance? in three years than that Danny Ceballos performance. I thought he was utterly garbage. Like, how, how did you... Did you miss Luis and Jack? Or are you... Um, so, you know, first of all, Xhaka, you, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I, I, I'm not alone in saying that my feelings towards Granite Xhaka over the last five years or whatever it's been have been, at best, volatile. At worst, um predominantly uh, ill. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, they've been negative. They have been negative towards Jack. Slam the food felt- tables. 
Yeah, I feel that he's he, he's kind of been a bit of a embodiment of the decline of Arsenal. When you, you know, I, I, I still in my mind's eye, I think of an Arsenal midfield with Patrick Vieira. And I know this is, you know, just idealism of the good old days, but I still think of Patrick Vieira and I think how proud I was to see a midfield like that. And Granit Xhaka, was a, he's certainly a removal from our heydays. But what you have to do, and as again, I've been a very much a critic of Xhaka, but what yeah. I would also say with regards to Xhaka is even though I've been a critic of him, I've always said, I don't, and I still stick by it, I don't think you're going to win a league title with Granit Xhaka. I just don't think he's good enough to do that. But I always said, he is not our biggest problem. <laughs> he's, he's an embodiment of what is going to stop us from moving to the top, top level. Yeah. Um, and our dependency on him is scary, quite frankly, of, uh, of how far we've fallen. But on the same note, he is a solid um, top four player, I think. He's a guy who can come in and even, even in a good Liverpool team, he could come in and play half of their games and be a solid player. He's as good as Jordan Henderson and people like that. It's just as simple as that. His biggest issue is athleticism. Just lacks you know, the pace. Yeah, he, can't, he, just, he just can't run around and, and you can't change that. He's not going to get quicker now. But the fact is, is that you're asking players, because, sorry, I I know I'm being a bit muddled here, but there are two other players who, again, I'm sure we're going to get on, who I think are the real storyline here for who we miss the most. Um, And that's the two young boys at the top. We'll get onto that after. You've got to to get it out of your system with Xhaka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just let it go, let it go. Yeah, yeah, no. But but with with Xhaka, I think that um, it's got to the stage now where... Although I may have previously thought, oh, you know, anyone who plays with party is going to start playing better and Shaq is just <laughs> yes. benefiting from it. If it's a bite, if it's a nanny. No, 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 no. Yes, I think Shaka's game has improved from playing with party, but he is easily our starting midfielder now. Easily. He's, he, he's, been, he's been realistically our best midfielder if you look at just the numbers alone for this season. And I think that at least if he's playing with party, you're getting a solid performance for him most weeks, albeit, you know, a calamity every five games as well. We know what we get with Xhaka by now, but I think it's a sad situation. It's like the kind of Gilberto rule. You know, you miss me more when I'm not actually in the team. Um, And like Gilberto was injured for all that time. Suddenly we're like, oh, he's actually the nuts. And, for me, when Jack is out in a game like this, he's he's going to be sitting in there, probably smoking a cigar, going, "I might need a raise yeah. after this." <laughs> but but it, weirdly, I don't know, I don't know whether I'm just imagining it, but Jacka is the shield for Thomas Partey because Thomas Partey is actually Thomas Partey's quite high risk, and I feel he needs someone who's not as adventurous because Tom Partey is too adventurous at times. And, there, you know, there were some beautiful moments today, but he's a very high-risk midfielder. Um, but then you put you, you put Danny Ceballos in Xhaka's place today and the whole thing falls apart. I mean, I, I wouldn't say Granit Xhaka is exactly world-class. No, world-class free speed of distribution. But he moves the ball accurately. Danny Ceballos, the touches, um, the bad decision-making, the nervousness. I mean, the guy looks broke at the moment. I mean, you compare him to where he was at the end of last season when he was topping all the charts for numbers. He's nowhere near there and he's regressed and it's, it, it, it's sad to see. Yeah, I don't think that um, there are many in the Arsenal fan base who are calling for his um, for him to be retained on the playing staff. You know, certainly the kinds of figures that are being quoted. And I know it's just, you know, floating around in the tabloids. No one actually knows. But realistically, how much would he be worth? I, I don't... I don't you wouldn't see... put 25 million that way. No, I don't think you could. I just don't know how you could see that as being a sound investment, especially when you look at some of the bad decisions we've made with regards to our um, player recruitment over the recent years. So I don't see how that could look like a positive move in a transfer market to retain his services. Um, and for me, like, you know, even Erdegaard today, who was pretty much anonymous, I don't, I don't think it was all down to him, but he you know, was getting billed up after some good games as being like, we've got to find a way to keep him and stuff like that. And I do think that Odegaard has a lot of promise to be someone who we should really try to push on and get. 
But that shows you the kind of risk, risky player that we should be trying. It's someone who's mostly good, but every now and then shows their fallibilities and, and we hope that they could progress past that with us. Danny Ceballos is serving up more shit than good. Like, that is not the kind of gamble that we need at this stage. We need to be, you know, gambling at best on players who really look like they're already there, they're already playing at the level that's going to help progress us. Um, and obviously, we just don't have either the resources or the uh, alternative playing staff to carry anyone at this stage. You know, we need everyone to be contributing at a high level and... Players like that, well, they're letting themselves down and the club down. And um, that David Luiz is terrible in small games where it doesn't matter because he switches off and he doesn't really pay attention. But you miss him in games like the Liverpool one. There was, um, you know, this entire system that Arteta has built is geared around quick distribution from the back, confidence. And um, it didn't have it today. Rob Holding, um, Gabriel were all over the place from the start. They were easily rattled. And after, you know, two goals went in, I would say even after the first goal went in, they completely collapsed and it was a, it was a bit of a disaster out there. So you're in the situation, you know, you, you said it earlier, Johnny, um, and I agree. Granite Jack is not winning you the title. David Luiz should not be getting a new deal yet yeah, they were two of the most important players that weren't there today. And our whole style and structure fell apart because they do key things for the side that the backups don't do. And the more alarming thing is, you know, I know Rob Holden was, hasn't played for a while, but he doesn't have that passing game in him, really. So, And we've just given him a new deal. So it's like, well, I'd say you, 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 you can be blamed for that because you've yeah. said you've accepted this guy's ability moving forward. So moving on to a more joyful topic, um, two players that we did miss that I'm very happy that we missed, uh, Bakayo Saka, obviously, and Emil Smith-Rowe. And I, I would say that actually part of the reason that Martin Odegaard was so anonymous today is because there was only one player that could cause Liverpool problems today, and that was him. And Fabinho, I mean, there, there, there's there's got to be some sort of arrest warrant out for him after that game because he completely brutalized Odegaard like it's so deep in his pocket I'm surprised that he managed to last the 90 minutes like what did you think about um the 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 lack of a Saka and a Smith Rowe to the performance today like how important yeah. are those two yeah I mean I think I'm basically in exactly the same camp as you are in the sense that I think that if there are any players of course Xhaka and maybe not as much I'm not as much on the side that you may be with regards to Louise, but I do get your point. I do think it shows that he's been missed, but you know, I'm not completely sold on the Louise importance uh, to a certain extent with regards to this game. But Saka and Smith Rowe, we cannot function without these guys. They are, when I say, I've said for a long, long time, Saka is our best attacking player. There's no ifs, no buts. There's no Aubameyang scores the goal. Saka is our best attacking player. It ain't, it, there's, there's no conversation about he's it. Best player now. I don't even. Yeah. Think it's just like he is the best player at Arsenal. The only thing is, Party at times has stepped. The reason why I say Thomas Party is there was a, and even his form is starting to drop a little bit. But I have reserved that just because sometimes I'm like he looks like a different gravy. He looks like the best player on the pitch. Blah blah blah. Whereas Saka, in terms of how we move, is the prime mover in our team. He gets things going all the time. And I think that anyone who was maybe getting carried away with regards to Erdegaard's influence on the team is starting to see that his success in the team is intrinsically linked to the inclusion um, and synergy of Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukayo Saka, who are very much in the same mould as him as well. Very similar age. They like to play football in the same way. Extremely good technically. um, Great in close quarters. And when we have looked exciting, it is when those three players take the ball in tight spaces and they move the ball quickly. That's the biggest 
like feather in the cap of Arteta when it comes to an offensive um, strategy that he's employed since he's been at the club. It's getting those three on the pitch and that gives us shades of an Arsenal that everyone remembers, you know, through a Hollywood glaze. It is the Fabregas, the Nasri, the Halebs, the... You know, and then you go before that, the Henri, yeah. the Perez is, it's that Arsenal and it makes you think, oh, actually, maybe we still have got that flair. But once you start plugging in players like Obama Yang, who I think needs, a, I don't know if we can sequester a bit of time. Time out. Needs a time out. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, um, Lacazette, Pepe today, Pepe, um, three out of 10 kind of Pepe rather than that. No control. Yeah, yeah, just absolute garbage. Um, then suddenly you you're going to look at Erdogan looking around, going, "Hold up, I, I was actually trying to get myself on loan to Sociedad, and some of these guys at Sociedad play better around me than these guys." So, you know, I, I think that if anyone was in any doubt that we need to be building our whole team, and I do mean our whole team certainly from an attacking point of view, around Saka and Smith-Rowe, who have loyalties to the club, but also have a ceiling that I I think is, at, you know, at worst on a European, like, high-class level and at best on a world-class level. I do think they both have that talent um, to be absolute leaders of a top, 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 top team. But, you know, despite Erdegaard potentially being involved in that, obviously is not currently our player. If you want to build your castles on solid ground, it has to be Smith-Rowe and Saka. They are where we move forward. We have to get pieces that will complement them as best as possible. Yeah, and part part of it, part of missing them today is instructive to what the future is because... You know, so so many Arsenal fans are like, oh, you know what? Like Arteta just treats um, Pepe really badly. It's like, no, he doesn't. Nicholas Pepe, I know that he's had some good performances, and I know that he shows flashes. But there are a lot of players in the Championship that that show flashes of brilliance, and then they get to the Premier League and they can't do it. I'm thinking about Ben Rama, you know, lighting up the league um, for Brentford, then gets to West Ham and you know struggles to get game time. And I feel that you know Pepe has that level of inconsistency that doesn't really make him. You know, which team in the top eight would sign Nicolas Pepe at the moment? You know, he's got the the same the same streaks of greatness that you know maybe an Awobi had. Like you, you know, there's a player in there, but it's really difficult for him to release it on a consistent basis. But I, I think we need more players like Saka and Smith Rowe. My and my concern today is that there's limited budget for the summer. We've got to sell a lot of players, and we've and we've got to, you know we're not three players away from being a top four side. I don't think, or we're three players away and a lucky season from being a top four side. Because what today showed again is that you are two or three key injuries away from November football, and I don't think there are many managers that are going to come in and change that logic and that's that's my that's my worry this is where this is where the problem comes in for Arteta and the um you know the uh people his followers basically the people that will go to the wall for him because when when you say you know there's not many players that many managers that could essentially get more out of this squad the issue is is that we have employed a style of football which, even if you want to give him the credit of the kind of excellent performances where we've looked really fluid and um, uh, aggressive and on it in previous games, like the Spurs game, for instance, where we looked like we were really clicking into ga- clicking into gear and we, we looked like we deserved a win against a big opposition and, you know, we had that potential. Well... If we want to give him the credit of employing that kind of expansive, quick-paced football, then you also have to be realistic about its limitations. And, you know, something you said earlier about Rob Holding, I couldn't agree more. If you're going to ask your team to play out from the back, 
then you have to look at the players that you've got. Now, at this stage, you know whether Rob Holding can play out in the back or not. You can, and if you don't, then it's gross negligence. You know, because I know whether he can do it, so you're not paying attention. If he, if he does know that, then if you're consistently trying to get your team to play it, because let's be clear, one of the arguments that gets made to kind of protect Arteta, if you like, is, oh, he hasn't got all the players in that he needs and, oh, we're going to need to change it up. Listen, we're not going to change 11 players in the next year and no. we're not going to change 11 players in two years. So these are the players you've got. Some of these guys are going to be here till Arteta leaves the job. That's the facts of it. So yeah. you've got to get the best out of them. And if you're trying to play Lamezia Academy football with Rob Holding and it doesn't work, well, guess whose fault that is? It ain't Rob Holding's fault. He didn't. He's not. He's not going. Give me more time. <laughs> give me the ball in the feet in the box. That's where I really do my damage. Like he's saying, look, I want to just defend. And at the end of the day, you you said it yourself. If you're investing in that player, you're giving him uh, more time, a new contract. Then you have to realise that that's who you've signed, and you have to build a team and a strategy that is appropriate to your playing staff, rather than you know blind almost optimism with regards to your strategy, regardless of your own uh, playing stuff and their uh, inefficiencies. Yeah. And, and this is, this is the, this is the big concern, isn't it? It's um, if, if Rob Holding, like in, in imaginary dream world, right. You're like, okay, so we signed Rob Holding because his contract was running down and he would have gone on a free transfer. Let's sell him in the summer. You'd be like, okay, that, but it doesn't feel like we're going to sell him. And then Moel Nenny's agent is in the news this week saying he's going to renew with Arsenal. Uh, I was uh, gonna blog tweeting me. He's like, Moel Nenny signed a deal. I'm like, no, no, he hasn't signed a deal, but his agent has said that he's going to renew a deal. And in a, in a better world, you would say that agent's talking shit. There's no way Arsenal would do that. But in this current world with Edu and Arteta at the helm, you're like, there's every chance that Moel Nenny's going to sign um, a new deal. So. It's and, and this is this is part of the frustration of today. It's it, you can level it at Arteta because you've enabled this, right? You chose to put uh, an underperforming Aubameyang out on the left, and I'll admit his new haircut. I was thinking perhaps <laughs> that will encourage a great performance, and I like the haircut, and it 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 it, it didn't work shockingly, but. Aubameyang over Gabriel Martinelli. Like, I feel like we're in the same situation we were before Christmas. It's like, what does Martinelli have to do to get a half of football? He came on and in six minutes, he'd done more than Aubameyang had done the entire game. Aubameyang's had a stretch of games now. It's time for him to hit the bench. So it's, um, you know, the, the, the big concern is that, uh, you know, if we do go into the summer, um, but when you, and so, to, to, just to change topics, like when you work in a, in big corporations, there are people that hire for you and the people that hire for you, their job is to just get people in the door and because that's what they're targeted on. And then when you're the hiring person, the job is to get the right person in the door because if you take that person that is incorrect in the name of speed, you pay for it seven months down the line. You know what? If that person fails, you can't blame the people hiring. It's your fault. So you have to uphold standards. And my worry with Arteta is Edu's like, hey, we've got this Cedric Suarez who is on the books of one of my, of my own agent. What do you reckon? You've got no one else. And Arteta's like, I'll have him. And then like, Mo Nenny does a, a decent job. Probably be easier to just re-sign him. So we re-sign him. So like Rob Holding's a young English player and it'd be difficult to find someone better. And it's like, we're still taking the the easy decisions, right? Rather than doing the hard work. And it's at some point you have to do the hard work. And if we don't do it quickly, then Arteta is going to be out of a job. Yeah. I mean, so there's, there's a hell of a lot there really. Um, Not least um, because you've kind of tailed off of that point with regard to renewing contracts, I think to bring the Lacazette one in at this point, and I, I actually said, I'd give him a shout out. My mate, Suburban Guna Chris, who's on Twitter, um, and he will be listening to this. He's um, He basically come at me the other day uh, on Twitter because I said that I think we should re-sign Laka. Um, and I said that we should re-sign Laka in a similar way to what I said last week on the pod um, or the week before, just because it makes 
the most amount of sense in a situation where we're not going to recoup um, a, a reasonable transfer fee for him and we don't have anywhere near as good an option to come in and play to provide anything that Lacazette does. I mean, what I'm saying is I'm not convinced by Lacazette in any sense of the word moving forward and I certainly don't think he's a player who fills me with any encouragement that he's good enough to make the step up to and play at a different level. I think he's on the way down, if anything. But if you were, and what I want to be abundantly clear on is I would never offer him anything over, say, 120 grand a week. But I don't think he could get that anywhere else. His agent will say, listen, if you don't sign us, we're going to go and get 200 grand. This is what Arsenal needs to start doing. Go on in. I'll call you bluff. Go and get it. Go and get 200 grand a week from this team or that team. Do you want to go and play in Slavia Prague for 250? Go, go and get it. You know, the fact is, is we're giving you 120. Do you want to stay? And I wouldn't pay any of the over 130 maybe. But the reality is, even if you want to sell him, he's down to his last year anyway. We're going to get absolute peanuts for him. Very little return. But it, more than anything, you can't, you know, let go of players who are one way or another quite integral to the way you want to play when you've got no replacements in the team. Um, so, you know, I have a little bit of sympathy on, on in situations like that. I have less sympathy with a Rob Holding situation because there are other alternatives to play at centre-half. And if you've invested in Gabriel, William Saliba, is it playing in France? I mean, can we bring his name up again? And playing well, by it, may I add. Um, so, you know, you didn't need to make that deal, but you've made that deal. And then ultimately, if you want, if you want to play a certain way and Rob Holding's not a part of that, plan then why are you investing all that money in him so when but this this is also kind of one of the reasons one of the reasons why a lot of Arsenal fans will get frustrated because what I've said earlier is that I think ultimately the criteria that will hold Arteta to is that if you win something you know what (laughs) it's a great season it is a great season but this is why you can get frustrated by Arteta because he misses open goals sometimes the league doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference. So what you do is if you play all of these players that need to prove something, Martinelli, let's see how he gets on. Let's play, you know, um, obviously a lot of our players are some of the ones we would have wanted to see, i.e. a Maitland-Niles, for instance, are all out on loan at this stage. But if we want, there are players that we want to see, get them in the team now. Because I'll tell you this now, if... Arsenal, watched, watched, Arsenal fans watched us just lose to Liverpool 3-0 and we had a team of Martinelli, um, you know, obviously Saka and um, Smith-Rowe were injured, but it was young players uh, that were out there trying to prove their worth. I'm happy Pepe was playing. People like that, trying to see whether they are actually going to be good enough, getting information. I don't think you see fans going being so disappointed with it. I think they take it as a useful bit of insight to see the depth of our squad, to see the abilities of some of these guys. But when you start playing people like Aubameyang, who's been so poor for so long now, it's not a blip. I, no. And let's be clear, I think we should cash in on him now. I would, I would openly court him to any suitors. And I think... You know, a lot of teams wouldn't buy him, but someone like an Everton, someone who were aspiring to make that step up and say, look, we'll give him to you for cheaper than what you might have usually got him for, but it's decent money that we can reinvest. I think if we're not seriously considering that now, we're missing a missing a um, step at this stage. Uh, yeah, I think you're. I think I think you are completely right. I think you're master strategist there because the the big miss of Arteta. And I, I, I knew he was going to do this. You know, the opportunity after you know, after the West Ham game, like at the latest, but like there was an opportunity earlier in the year to say, we're not going to qualify for the top four this season. What's Cal Chambers like as a centre-back? Because David Luiz is not the future of Arsenal. Um, and Cal Chambers is, uh, is great at passing the ball. He's young. He's got future and he's homegrown. What's... What what does what does Martinelli look like on the left? Can he sustain fitness over a long period of time? Like I, I, I think we struggle in centre midfield a little bit because Aziz 
is looks a little bit small. You know, like at Patino is too small and maybe a little bit too young to play the centre midfield thing. But I completely agree with you. The problem with today isn't that we lost. It's that we lost with players we knew we'd lose with. Seeing El Nenny on the pitch, you know what you're going to get with El Nenny. You know what you're going to get with Obama Yang on the left. And Arteta has completely forgotten what saved his bacon in December. It was Smith Rowe, Saka and young players. And now we're back where we are with the same team, churning out the same results. And it's like, what Arteta, what have you learned? What have you learned? And that's the disappointing thing. And, you know, maybe the Europa League win changes it. Maybe a Thursday night of youthful players that completely destroys Slavia Prague plug um puts a smile back on her face but it's um it's it's worrying because I, now like th- today's game for me was like I'm not sure Arteta is learning fast enough and it feels like he's underpinning all of these mistakes that you could pass off as oh it's just a bad game but actually he underpins it with like long-term vision so it's like well you know Rob Holding is here for five years now. Obama Yang is here for three years. William didn't get a, a game today. And really, that's the game that uh, your 250 grand a week wide player should be playing. It's weird that William had such good form and now he doesn't even get a chance. So it's, um, yeah, it's a real, a real, a real mess that we've got ourselves into. Well, well the, the one thing I'll just add to that is this is why, what I said at the start, just to come back to it, uh, 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 as I think there's a bit of affirmation with regards to it. My criteria is going to always remain the same. If you win a cup, I'm I'm giving you a pass. Because if you win a cup, I'm not going to microanalyse all of the other situations. But if I do microanalyse all the other situations, the simple facts are there are so many red, just red flags with regards to the way Arteta has managed this series. Like his decision making has been really, really bad. Whether that is Willian contracts, his treatment of certain players, like the Saliba situation, you know, our form in general, our lack of um, a, a kind of identity for a, such a long part of the season. Um, there's there's so many things where I would not just give him a pass for. But if he wins, this is the thing. Like, and and Arteta said this in an interview, and this is why I've got time for it. He's like. It, winning buys you time, and it does. If you win a cup, like, even though I've got question marks about all these things, I don't even want to talk about it because I'm not going to be the guy coming out here going after we win the Europa League going, yeah, but his treatment of William Saliba was not exactly appropriate. <laughs> like, no, I'm not. You've hit your benchmark. This is your benchmark. If you deliver me a trophy, listen, you get a pass for all this nonsense. But... If he doesn't win this trophy, there are so many situations that we can look back on and say, you know, is this the play, the direction we want to be moving in? I don't know. Like, I, I just, for me, my thing is not like, I don't get kind of frustrated that people aren't chomping at the bit for Arteta out. It's sometimes a frustration of how certain Arsenal fans can be so convinced by what they're seeing. And I'm just like, what are you seeing? I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not calling for him to be like chopped straight away. It's just I don't know how you can be convinced either way with regards to what we're seeing. But one thing that would keep me in the convinced camp is if this guy is a, a manager who will just keep delivering trophies. That is as simple as that. Yeah, I think the the big worry for Arsenal fans is that if Arteta goes, we're in big trouble because what. What what is left is far far worse. Like Arte- Arteta is a good coach, should never have been given a man- managerial role, should never have been given decision making oversight on so many important things that he didn't understand. And you know the naivety of of youth um, has shone through, and it's cost us a, a lot of money. Um, but the lack of leadership and the lack of plan behind Arteta is is staggering. He does a lot more than he should do. So the big concern is you rip Arteta out. Do you think that they're going to go, all right, well, he created a good underpinning of coaching and we're going to find another coach that thinks in the way that he does, but are a higher experience level. Of course not. They're going to go out and they're going to bring in someone like Nuno that needs a completely different squad. And then we're going to be bouncing around in mid-table mediocrity for a long time. So the real hope is that today was a bad blip. 
that we do in the Europa League and that this summer there's a ruthless approach to ripping out the, the problems. Um, it's it's almost like this the, the next five years of the club really do hinge on what happens in that Europa League because the injection of 50 million for the Champions League gives us so much more opportunity to, instead of change out three players, maybe you can change out five. 100%. Um, so it's going to be, know, a- and, and, even, and even then, Pete, just to be clear, yeah, if we don't win this Europa League, and I again, like whatever you think of what I'm saying about Arteta, oh, like I'm Arteta out or whatever, which is just again not the case. But the facts of the matter are, is that do you really trust this guy with his decision making to make all the changes? Look who's been rewarded in this squad, and look who's been treated. Poorly, harshly, as a lot of fans would say. Some think it's okay to treat Saliba that way, or something is okay, you know, that Ainsley Maitland Niles is where he is. You know, these are all decisions that, you know, you can you can look at uh with revisionism and think, oh, at the end of the day, you know, it's easy to look now. But there's been a number of decisions where we've questioned it at the time. But if we don't win trophies, then who's gonna build the next, you know, the next real title challenging team because at the end of the day despite what you might think about Arteta as a coach you've said it yourself you've got massive question marks about his kind of managerial oversight from a recruitment point of view I mean anyone who's convinced by it I think is you know living in la la land if I'm honest um and if you're going to give a coach who has had a season as appalling as this if we don't win anything and they're going to shape the whole new team well I don't, I, you know, I, I just think at the very least it's a conversation that will be need to had, need to be had out loud with regards to whether we're we've equipped the right um, managerial staff to shape our future. And if you win, if we win the Europa League this summer, I still maintain the best thing that you could do is go shit. We got away with that. Yeah, and. Yeah rip out the leadership above Arteta that's let him make those decisions and put a fucking adult in the room that knows what the fuck they're doing and yeah. can craft a plan and say, you know, maybe you go and find uh, Luis Campos and you say, right, you've built a lot of exciting teams. You work with Nicolas Pepe. Uh, come in and help us get this, like create a Lille, um in in the Premier League. And then like work out what, where the fucking mess is in this system and Get that manager under control. He can still keep the job title manager, but take away all of the responsibilities where he's got any say over anything. He just tells you what he wants and then you go and build it out from there. And, um, you know, it's, I still, someone said the other day, you know, what's the worst thing that happened to Arsenal over the last five years? And it's an unpopular thing to say, but Ivan Gazidis going to Milan caused us so many problems because he hired the best scout in the world. He hired the dirtiest deal maker going and he had them working in separate swim lanes. And I know Sven didn't quite get it right, but Borussia Dortmund uh, uh, looking at him to potentially replace what they've got at Dortmund moving forward. And because we had that lack of leadership, everything has fallen through the cracks since. And the Kroenke family is still looking for the silver bullet that they think is Arteta at the moment. And it's like, it's just not, um, just not a way to move forward as a club. And I, I think the, the the leadership structure that we've got in place needs to be addressed however the end of this season goes. And if Arteta goes in the summer, because he doesn't hit any of his targets, you've got to wipe out everybody and start again. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, but <clears throat> look, I, I'm not even going to go down that route in terms of like Arteta going and what it would look like. I don't think it's as doom as gloom as what doom and gloom as your potentially saying it might be um, in terms of an alternative approach. I think a manager with a stronger um, kind of identity and and background and experience of uh, managing clubs and being able to imprint their own identity onto a playing squad would be useful at Arsenal at this stage with the lack of support potentially from uh, different managerial structures within the club. But in general, you know, the thing is, is I just, I, I know it's, it, it seems reductive, but if you can win trophies <laughs> while you're getting it right 
then that's all that matters. And, and, and I completely agree. The best thing we could do if we won the Europa League was rip it up and start again. But I, and you know, a Luis Campos or someone like that. But that's not going to happen. We know it's not going to happen. But the because one thing I would, leadership to do that. Hundred percent. We, if anything, it would be. And this is what is the poor, the poor outcome out of that situation is they would see it as a justification for the way that they've set about things because they're delivering trophies. Unfortunately, I'd have to agree in a certain extent. Not that I like the way, their outlook, but I want trophies. I'm not here to just think, like, at the end of the day, the reason why we want to look good, the reason why we don't want to be great as a team and all this, of course we want to enjoy good football, but we want our club to win trophies. And as I've said, I've sat through eras where we've looked, we've easily been the best football inside in the country and we've ended up with nothing at the end of the year. And I've done those years, so I'd like to balance it out a little bit with winning trophies and not necessarily being um, the team that is, deser- you know, uh, from a footballing point of view, necessarily deserving. But if you look at the situation that Arteta got himself into last year, where he won the FA Cup, he won a trophy with a team that was in disarray, um, that can be the kind of personality of this manager, a team who, a, a, a manager who doesn't always have it, the team looking like they're completely cohesive and, you know, they've hit top gear. But if you're skanking trophies along the way, that is a, you know, we're not worried about what Arteta does after Arsenal if he was to move on. But at the end of the day, could you imagine his resume? If he was to move on for Arsenal when he's gone, yeah, I've got the FA Cup, Community Shield and Europa League. Do you think any prospective clubs are going to be like, oh, you look pretty shit against Liverpool, though? They're not. He's going to look at his Wikipedia page, honours. That's it. And that's what I'm interested in now. So come on, Mikel, deliver the trophy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And just the last point I'll say on this is that, like, good leadership recognises when you've got lucky. Um, Yeah, yeah. Long-term success at clubs is predicated on good planning, long-term vision, and the best possible people in charge. And, you know, Leicester got rid of Nigel Pearson when he finished 16th in the Premier League, and they replaced him with Claudio Ranieri, and they won the league the next season. Um, Southampton binned Nigel Adkins because they loved Pochettino and thought he could take him to the next level, and and he did. Um, And I think that... Arsenal, even if they win something this season, I've got to look. Like you said earlier, like Johnny, when you say there are so many bad decisions that have led to this, even if it ends up with a trophy, you've got to say, who are the players that let us down throughout the season? And I don't like, because Arteta maybe made some decisions last season after the FA Cup that he shouldn't have, you know, because he's got that, you know, I can give this person a new deal. I'm not going to sell this person. Like, this is the future. And these guys are going to, they, you know, they won a cup and they're going to be great next season. And you know what happened? They let him down. So um, I agree with you. Let's win the Europa. And that's a nice problem to have in the summer. But I feel like we're a long way from winning that Europa right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think so. Think great. So. Well, um, thank you for joining the podcast and uh, jumping on very late at night over that side. Um, tell us um, where we can find you and what your podcast is and who your guests this week. Yeah. Um, so I have a podcast about fatherhood it's called the how's your father podcast available wherever you get your podcasts um and you know it's a kind of really insightful look into the world of fatherhood but it's not too heavy it's quite light-hearted and it's a it's a great what a great um time to be talking about it because got a little insight and breaking the you know fresh off the press i'm a, a new guest on the um How's Your Father podcast in upcoming weeks will be none other than Arsenal legend Nigel Winterburn. So he. Oh, wow. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congrats. He, uh, we recorded this week and that will be coming out in the next few weeks. But don't wait. Don't sit there and go, oh, I'll wait till Nigel's on. Give it a go this week. Um, this week we have, oh my God, I should remember it. Uh, a great guest. Um, oh, Garrett Millerick. He's a very funny man. And he's talking about um, he's a new father and the situations that he's been through in recent times with regards to the birth of his uh, new child. It's really funny. Give it a listen. If you were thinking about, oh, maybe I will do 
Burp Down Line. Do it now. Do it now. How's your father podcast? Just jump on that. And uh, on that note, thank you, Johnny. I really appreciate you coming on again. Um, we will return next weekend or maybe in the week. We'll work that out. Um, but in the meantime, jump on uh, to iTunes. Go to Johnny's How's Your Father podcast first, then search The Grove. Give us a five-star rating and say that you like listening to Johnny and everyone's going to be a winner. Um, <laughs> so on that note, how's uh, ciao for now. Peacock Streaming, the biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.